God's spirit does not work in a cookie cutter fashion. Rather, God's spirit uses diversity and works in diverse manners to accomplish his will on earth. Tonight, we're going to experience some very diverse music from singer-songwriter Howie Campbell. And as you listen to this music, you're going to hear the Spirit of God stream through it. Well, welcome everyone to the Raven's Heart live stream and Lithos Cry. I appreciate all of our viewers that are popping up on the screen. As you know, this is your must-see Thursday live stream, and we are going to dive into some very, very different music tonight. And I like that because that's the way God works. He works through diversity and in diverse manners, as we were talking about. As you can see on the screen next to me, I have Howie Campbell. He is a singer-songwriter. Howie, welcome to the Raven's Heart live stream. Glenn, thanks for having me. This is this is awesome. Oh, <laughs> turn, Look at that. It's probably a record deal coming through right now. There you go, right here on the on the Raven's Heart live stream. Howie, as I was putting together this week's live stream and exploring and experiencing your music, mm-hmm. um, the best way that I can describe it is eclectic. That's the first word that comes to my mind. How would you describe your music and your sound? Well, that's an excellent question. I've been looking for the answer to that for a long time. I just got through recording some music down in Mississippi, and uh, I had to pick a genre, you know. So, uh, eclectic, eclectic is a good one. You know, a little mix of um, uh, it's all rhythm based usually. Um, got some soul aspects, Americana folk, you know, things like that. Uh, draw from the jazz background as well, rock, southern rock. So you put that all into a hat shake it, and whatever pops out, pops out. <laughs> Do you find it frustrating to try to describe your music and put it in a genre box? Does that frustrate you sometimes? Absolutely. I forget what I was doing earlier today, but they wanted me to describe, um, I think it was my, my music, and I mean, there's no, you know, you can get a general idea with certain forms, but, well, for example, on Spotify, I've got Christian music, I've got family-oriented folk, um, I've got some rock, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. Because everybody wants to be categorized and put into a box. And that's the way it is with uh, us in Christ as well. You know, how do you categorize all these different people around the world speaking different languages from different cultures? How do you describe them as Jesus people? Well, the common denominator is Jesus people. That's right. It's the stream of the spirit, uh, just like that Bible yeah. verse that we put up from Corinthians just a few minutes ago, yeah. is that there's a diversity of gifts. There's a diversity of manners in which God works. And, you know, that's really, I think, something that God is bringing us back to and the spirit is bringing us back to is that diversity. Yeah. And 
I can't even describe what we do over here. You know, it started as a heavy metal podcast and live stream, and now it's all sorts of other things. And really, it's prophetic arts, and we're just following the Spirit in the way that God wants to lead us. And that's what we're doing. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on tonight, because I love every genre that you do, and I can't wait to start spitting the Howie Campbell hits. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun when we do that. Here's here's a quick question for you. You're a singer-songwriter, so you write and you sing. But you also play a variety of instruments. What are all the instruments that you play? Well, I focus on guitar and Native American flute. Ta-da! And uh, I actually have a little something set up if you want to hear a little live sample. But um, electric guitar, uh, harmonica, drums. I play a little keyboard, so a little of everything. The other day I was playing um, a little uh, water bottle for my grandkids. making making a joyful noise now i find it absolutely fascinating that you play the native american flute uh you're Mm -hmm. the first person that i've ever met that does that Mm -hmm. how did that become a part of your musical repertoire well so i love music in all its forms i've dabbled in sax and, and flute and different things but um we've been going to native american reservations now for about 10 years and um you know, Paul says I've become all things for all people. And I love that because, well, we've been involved in the Chinese church. We've been involved in, you know, I, I, I'm in the blues culture in Columbus and different things. So we wanted to be able to connect with the Native Americans and flute and drums are their native instruments. And so on our way out west one uh, time, we just started going to these um, uh, trading posts and they'd always have a rack of flutes. And I would play through them. And I discovered a line of flutes that I really like. Uh, um, Odell Borg has a, a company called High Spirit Flutes. And so I picked up a number of flutes along the way and really loved the sound. I said, Debbie, I've got to get a Native American flute. And uh, I said, but boy, are they costly. I'm oh, sorry, I dropped my pick. And it's really dark in here, so I can't find Oh, there it is. So anyway, so we were staying at this, uh, this place in uh, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And they had a raffle. And she says, you ought, to, you ought to enter the raffle. I says, I never win those things. You enter the raffle. She says, well, if I, if I win the raffle, that'll be the money for the flute. She won the raffle. And this is the flute we got in Salt Lake City at a trading post. And uh, this was my first Native American flute made by High Spirits. Um, you want to know about the flute? Absolutely. Well, it's a pe- based on a pentatonic scale. Well, Aboriginal cultures around the world use a pentatonic five-note scale. Uh, it's a it's a really common tonality to many cultures, including Native Americans. This one happens to have a sixth note, which I can play minor scales on as well. And uh, so, so I you know you get all kinds of different beautiful sounds, but it's it's like an extension of your breath, you know. Yes. And one of my favorite names for the for the uh, well, the Lord, the Holy Spirit in the old in the uh, Old Testament, the, the Hebrew name is Ruach. Literally yes. means the breath of God. The Ruach. Absolutely. Yeah. Adonai, yeah. So, so this when when Jesus breathed on the disciples, he breathed his life into them, and that's virtually what I'm doing uh, uh, with the uh, flute. I'm breathing my life through the flute and speaking. 
Absolutely. Hey, we got a comment from Andrew Williams who's watching us and he's really digging this. He says, 1 Corinthians 9.22, loving it, talking about the diversity and what we're doing tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to add on to that, Howie, because before we did this, I started to do a scripture deep dive on the flute. Because oh. I had never, I've always thought as the flute as an archetype of the Holy Spirit, just like you were yeah. de- saying, yeah. because in Hebrew, it's Ruach. And then in Greek, it's Pneuma. It's, you know, the wind that speaks yeah. of it. And I was like, okay, God, how does this tie into the Holy Spirit? So I started looking up flutes in the Bible and believe it or not, I found some really interesting verses, if you'll allow me to share for a moment hey. on the flute. Love Absolutely. First in Matthew 9, uh, chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. This is the time when Jesus went to the ruler's house to raise the ruler's daughter from the dead. Mm -hmm. And there were mourners that were there. And what was interesting that I found out is they had crisis mourners a lot of times that they hired to go mourn at these funerals. They were pro musicians. (laughs) they, They were. But they also had minstrels there. Mm-hmm. And that's what it says in the King James, but it's not the most accurate. Sorry, King James only fans. Not the most accurate Hebrew translation. The most accurate Hebrew translation or Greek translation, excuse me, is flute players. So there were flute players there. Mm-hmm. So I did a little bit more research and what they did with the flutes. They played flute, the flute at Jewish funerals back in the days of Jesus mm-hmm. to comfort the mourners. Mm-hmm. And the light bulb went on. I was like, the flute, the comforter, the ruach, the Holy Spirit is wow. the comforter. And mm-hmm. when I listened to your music and I was listened to the flute in there, I'm like, oh, wow, it's just really soothing and it's very comforting. Mm-hmm. Then something else, I also recognize that there were flutes used in the Old Testament as well. In First Kings, and this blew my mind, First Kings uh, chapter 1, verses 39 through 40, uh, when King Solomon was named king of Israel, they said, then they blew the trumpet and all the people said, long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him playing pipes, flutes in Hebrew, and rejoicing with great joy. And how he get this, get, get what happened, so that the earth was split by their noise. Amazing, right? There was an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and shaking music. Earth or totally earth shaking music. Yeah. And it took me to one more thing. And so how does that represent the spirit? So it took me back to the New Testament when Jesus was baptized in Mark chapter three, the heavens opened when he was baptized. The, the heavens split, like the earth split when um, Solomon was named king. And when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. So those flutes at the coronation of Solomon represented the spirit. So I'm like, wow. And when Jesus was baptized, it was really a declaration that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords is, is what was going on. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, the flute is just an absolutely amazing, amazing instrument. And you have a song that you did called Captivate Us, where you incorporate the flute. Yes. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that song and how it came about? In 2016, the Lord called Debbie and I to go to every state capital in America. And uh, Franklin Graham did the same thing. He was doing a political rally train for the country and the leaders. Ours was different. The Lord had us go to every state capital to pray for the saints in every state and the legislators and what, whatever. But it was a spiritual, um, we were sent on a spiritual journey to, to do that in every state. Our last capital was in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, 
And so we stayed at an Airbnb up in the north part of uh, Oahu in a little town called Haleiwa. And we stayed, it turns out the fellow we stayed with was actually a missionary to Hawaii from South Africa. And um, he says, you know, I get this feeling you're going to write a song while you're here. And uh, I, I thought, well, that's good. I, I don't ever have an intention of doing that. But, you know, that was probably part of the inspiration. Anyway, the Holy Spirit uh, allowed me to write that song on his couch in that little Airbnb in Haleiwa, Hawaii. That's how that came about. What I'd like to do for our viewers and listeners is share that song called Captivate Us. Take a listen to this and those that are watching and those that are listening, you can go ahead and comment and we'll discuss those comments when we come right back.
song just takes me to a whole different zone. I mean, it's so comforting. It's relaxing. And really, when I hear you singing, you're to me, you're prophesying in this mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. It's prophetic flute playing. It's just absolutely amazing. It's really interesting, too, because when you sing Captivate Us and you're using the flute, it's mm-hmm. the spirit that captivates us and draws us. You know, yeah. uh, John chapter six and verse 44, that Jesus said, no man comes unto the father unless the spirit draws him. That's right. And it is so, so true. Mm-hmm. You are such a gifted musician. When was it that you started playing music? How did you get into music? I started playing music at a very young age. Um, you know, um, I grew up in a house where Mom and Dad always had jazz going, you know, there was all sorts of pop music of the time, you know, like uh, Robert Goulet, Lawrence Welk, um, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, and man, it, you know, the music just kind of, it, it moved in and through me, you know, and so I, I always wanted to uh, play music. My mom saw that I was musical, so she wanted me to take piano. Well, first, my dad got me a trumpet, you know, and uh, which is a biblical instrument. Today, it would be the shofar, I suppose. That's or right. The, or the silver temple, uh, temple yep. trumpet. But, uh, but, uh, my dad wanted me to play trumpet. So I think it was first grade. He sent me to school with his trumpet and I came home and really disappointed my dad because I said, yeah, trumpet, that's, that's not my instrument, dad. And rather than try to find another instrument for me, he just, you know, but, uh, later on, my dad, my, uh, my mom got me, um, piano lessons. And so, I was taking piano lessons and I, it just, it wasn't a good fit for me. It was too, too regimented and we moved every year. So having a piano in the house was kind of a, it wasn't the right thing. But this one house we lived in for four years. And so I was taking my, my uh, piano lessons and my mom bought, the salesman talked her into getting an organ. So I'm trying to, you know, take piano lessons here and play, you know, practice on organ over here. Didn't work. (laughs) Later on, my brother Joey started taking uh, harmonica lessons from some nuns up in Altamont, New York, where we lived. That's and interesting. That, yeah, so that didn't last long, but he had a couple of really nice harmonicas, and so I started just, you know, playing harmonica by ear. Later, he took guitar lessons, and that didn't last long. 
So I grabbed his guitar and his Mel Bay book, and I started working out some guitar. And that was the beginning of, you know, the instruments that, you know, fit, worked for me. Harmonica, guitar, and then later, of course, Native American flute. So that's kind of how I got into it. But what really happened uh, to, to launch me into the music business was uh, when I was in the Army, uh, one of the fellows in the barracks had a Les Paul and a big amplifier that he parked in, in one of the sergeant's rooms. And he'd get up in the morning and he'd play guitar. Get off at lunch, play guitar. Get off at night, play guitar. And I watched him improve daily. I said, man, I can do that. So when I got out of the Army, on my unemployment checks, I bought a guitar and a Joni Mitchell album and a James Taylor album. And I said, I'm going to be out playing in clubs in a year. And I was. <laughs> I can I, I can definitely hear the James Taylor vibe in your oh, music, yeah. the singer songwriter, awesome awesome musician. Yeah. I have to ask this question: When you were growing up, did you grow up in a Christian household, or did that did you become a believer after you left home? How did that all tie in? Um, so I grew up in a Catholic home, and um, I couldn't wait to get away from it. Uh, I was an altar boy, I made my first, you know, my confirmation and all that sort of thing, but it meant nothing to me, zero. And my, you know, my mom and dad, and uh, my mom had become a Catholic to marry my dad. Come to find out years later, she told me she was baptized in a little Baptist church at five years old. But then she, you know, became a Catholic to marry my dad so that, you know, they could uh, be sanctioned by the Catholic church, I guess. But um, my dad was a abusive alcoholic and his dad was an alcoholic and his brother was and but they were all catholic you know and so i saw this you know um go to church on sunday and then live like the devil the rest of the week and i thought that's not for me and so i i looked elsewhere you know uh the bhagavad gita you know i read uh, some philosophy and different things and i was always searching for the truth so did i grow up in a christian home my mom she would have us pray, and she would take us to church. So we grew up in a religious home. But as far as the relationship with Jesus Christ, there is the difference. That is the difference. Yes. And so when I got old enough to tell my mom I was not interested in church anymore, I was about 16 years old, and I was done. I was out of there. And uh, it wasn't until I was 30 years old. I was 26 years old, and the this, this woman I met in a club up in Ellenville, New York, who ended up becoming my wife. First thing she gave me was a Bible. And I okay. laughed at her. I said, what am I supposed to do with this? But it was a gift from a beautiful woman, so I kept it. <laughs> Almost five years later, I discovered that Bible in one of my things, and I picked it up and started to read it. And that is where I met Jesus at 30 years old. Wow. So, gr so growing up in a a Christian home, it, you know, I had some values, you know, I, I didn't lie, I didn't cheat and steal until I got to be a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, you know, it is still some good values in me. But there's a, you know, you can be a good, a good person and end up in hell. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's got nothing to do with our good works. You and I have a lot in common. Your middle name is Glenn, spelled with two N's. You have a wife yes. named Debbie. I have a wife named Debbie. I grew up in a very high Episcopal church, which is mm. almost Catholic. I was yeah. an altar boy. I did all of those things. That. You were in the army. 
Uh, yeah. I was in the army. We've all done that. Uh, mm. So this is really interesting, but you're absolutely right. It has nothing to do with your good works or your following of a particular religious tradition. It has to do with your relationship with Jesus. Amen. It has to do with that time where he changes you. And you can hear that you were changed and that he's moving through you through your music. Uh, the stream of the spirit is really there. There's another song that I'd like to share with our viewers and our listeners, and it's called More Snow in the Forecast, which is a very oh, yeah. interesting title. What inspired <laughs> this song and what is more snow? I know you live in New York, so that's common up there uh, around November, December, January, yeah. February. Yeah. What's this song about and how did it get inspired? I'm actually a native New Yorker, but we moved to Memphis, Tennessee in 93, and then we moved to Charlottesville, Virginia later. And three years ago, we moved to Ohio, of all places. Actually, my daughter moved here, then my son followed her, and then they came and kidnapped us. We were living in Virginia at the time. And when I came to, when I left Charlottesville, there was a great music scene there, world-class musicians. And uh, I was plugged into the, to the local scene. And um, when, I, when I moved to Ohio, I thought, man, I really hate leaving all this good music. Come to Columbus and find out there's actually a good music scene in Columbus. And I've always wanted to get more involved in the blues, and there's a great blues scene. So I was going to all these blues jams. And so I thought, yeah, I need to write a couple of blues songs, right? So um, this song started out being about somebody else. But then I had to turn around. I had to leave it on a good note. So I made it about my wife. And I actually released this song last December 21st on her birthday. So that's wow. how more snow in the forecast came about. <laughs> that is sweet. And yeah. when we were talking on the phone this past weekend, you were telling me about the bass player. And he's got wow. a very interesting background, the bass player on this track. Can you tell us a little bit about your bass player for this? Well, um, so it, the, my connection with the group uh, is a, a fellow named Tony Mora. He plays with Rick Kua, who used to be in The Outlaws. And then he became a Christian. And he, he was in Dove uh, and different things. And uh, so Rick, Rick who had turned me on to Tony Mora. And we've become friends through the years. He's, he's on a number of my songs. And he put together a group. He puts together a group of uh, professional musicians in Nashville to do a day's worth of music. And, and uh, so I, I tagged on to the end of one of their sessions. And they, they put together more snow in the forecast. The bass player that he had on the session that day um, I actually was at the Jonathan Kahn, the return in, um, in Washington, D.C. last year. Yeah. And so they had a worship band up there. And I'm looking at the screen and they pan around the different musicians. And there's the bass player. So he's a, <laughs> he's a well-known studio uh, musician in Nashville. And, um, that is so that- so- <laughs> that is so neat that he played at that event with Jonathan Kahn over on my bookshelf to my right. You can't see it here. I've got one of Jonathan Kahn's books and I listen to him frequently and watch Which his one videos. Is it? The the Paradigm is the one that oh, I have on, book, on there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely great book. Makes yeah. you really give some insight into the Lord and the way that he works. And really, yes. there's nothing new under the sun. There's mm-hmm. patterns that God works in. You know, it's it's yeah. really kind of interesting. Well, let's let our listeners and our viewers feast their ears.
Definite, definite groove to it, brother. Man. <laughs> yes, I love it. Those guys really nail they do a good job. You know, when I first heard Tony's playing, it was a, on a Blues Council album. That's an that's a band that he has. They played at Darien Lake every year. Um, up in upstate New York, big okay. uh, Christian concert. But anyway, I first heard Tony uh playing on that Blues Council album and I thought, man, I would love to have him on some of my stuff. And, you know, the Lord made it possible. It was awesome. <laughs> we have to give you the Mac, the Metal Dog seal of approval for that song. He is my hey Mac. He is my faithful co-producer here at the studio. Nice. He was listening to that with me the other day. He was thoroughly enjoying it. He tried to get into the studio tonight to be a part of the live stream, but 
he doesn't behave himself for very long. So uh, that definitely gets the Mac, the metal dog seal of approval. Yes. Our little Boston Terrier. Something I want to discuss concerning this song. There's, there's a mindset that a lot of people have, a lot of believers have that, well, if it's going to be a value to the Lord or if it's going to reach out to people, the song yeah. or the music has to be overtly Christian. It has to be mm-hmm. Jesus in every phrase or something about God in every phrase. But that's not true. And mm-hmm. you've had some revelation. God's given you some insight as to how good music from cool. a Christian worldview can be used that's not overtly right. Christian to begin mm-hmm. to reach those who are lost. Can you share some of those insights with us? If you want to catch fish, what do you use? You use what the fish are feeding on, right? Right. And you don't go out and throw, um, you know, you, you can't just throw out and pieces of lead and think the fish are going to eat, eat that, you know. Or uh, you've got to throw, throw out the kind of food that the fish are going to feed on, you know. Same thing is true of, you know, uh, of people. If uh, if you want to go out and catch people, you know, like I know a lot of people whose ministry ministry is to the church, music music ministry especially. You know, they go to the church. I know people that take they'll take a mission trip down to Florida. Hey, that's not a bad place to take a mission trip, and they'll go sing in churches. You know, you're not going to get a whole lot of persecution doing that. Uh, no, <laughs> if, not at all. <laughs> but if you're going fishing for people, where do you go? You go to the church. I'm sure there's. I mean, there's definitely a lot of unsafe people in a lot of churches. Oh, there are. Yes. <laughs> and so I guess that's a Bible mission field. But if you want to go out and seek and save that which is lost, like Jesus did, what did he do? Yeah, he went into the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day. But where was he the whole rest of the time? He was on the street. He was hanging down at the beach. You know, down where the fishermen hang out. He was. He was uh, on hillsides. He was walking the streets. He was hanging out where people are, you know, people that might not even go to synagogue or church. And that's, you know, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was a musician. And I was done with that lifestyle. I said, I'm done with this. I got rid of all my musical stuff, and I locked myself up in church for a long time. And about 2000, the Lord started to release me back out into the public arena again. At one point, actually, Debbie said to me, you know, we don't have... We have hardly any non-Christian friends. What are we doing? We're just hanging out with the saints all the time. Where's the witness? Yeah. And so, and so, as far as music goes, who created it in the first place? Yeah, I think God the best. Yes, I think the absolute best use of music is to worship the Lord. And I love to do that. I love to sit down with my guitar, and I just love to to worship my Lord. I've written most of my stuff from 1986. Right on up to two thousand and something was was all Christian, all all for the Lord, witness and actual, outright praise. But then I started writing songs like, I mean, I've got some beautiful grandkids right now, and they are a great source of inspiration. So I'm writing songs for them. They don't specifically praise the Lord, but God gave me grandkids. God gave me a wife. God gave me family. God gave me friends. God gave me a, a job out in the community. And so you know, more snow in the forecast. Is there anything unchristian about that song? No, no. there's not. No, no. In fact, you know, what's the underlying message? You <laughs> might think things are going all right now, but guess what, baby? There's more snow in the forecast. <laughs> How are you, you going to handle right. it? Are you going to yeah. get all cold and, and you're going to close yourself up and get all icy and, and hate people? 
or how. I believe, Glenn, that a part of what glorifies God isn't isn't that we get through the trial, but while we're we're in it, how do we handle ourselves? That's a very that, good point. That's a display of our faith and trust in Him that He's gonna He's gonna make it all right. Yeah. 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 No, you're you're absolutely right, and this goes back to something we were talking about two weeks ago with the worship ministry from North Palm Church here in North Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. That worship is not just singing worship songs, but it's everything that we do in our lives. It's our job. It's our occupation. It's the way yes, that we absolutely. work with our families and our friends, and the way that we treat them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's always boggles my mind how people get all worked up about, oh, that's not Christian music, so I'm not going <laughs> to listen to. It. Yeah. Well, guess what? You probably bought a house and a car that was not built by a Christian or sold by a Christian. So why aren't you applying the same principle to that? It just doesn't if, make sense. What if the best doctor in town is not a Christian? Or here's another one. What if the Christian doctor in town is sleeping around? Right. You go, you're going to go to that doctor? You know, yeah. what if the pastor, what if the pastor of the church is hanging out with the secretary? Yeah, you know, I, I I know churches that you know they put up with a lot of that kind of stuff because I mean they need that. He's a good preacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, yeah. but 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 as far as the music goes, I mean, um, I can I can be on stage at at, the, at a blues jam or at a secular arena or at the county fair, you know, and I can be singing a. Uh, Long Train Coming. It's a song about my grandkids, my grandfather Mm -hmm. that I wrote for my grandkids. There's nothing about Jesus in the song. It's a four-generation family-friendly song. People come up to me afterwards. Hey, I love your song, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'm always looking for a way to bring Jesus into the mix. Or here's a better one. So there's more snow in the forecast. You go to my, you go to Spotify, Pandora, my website. You're going to see all the Jesus stuff. You know, I was actually playing at a, a, a little gig up in Galway, New York. It was an outdoor concert, and I had put up some posters in town, and I actually met a gal who was having a yard sale, and I invited her to the concert. She came, and she said, afterwards, she said, you know what? I really like your music. She says, I'm not there with all of the message, and I knew she knew what I, I knew she was, what right. she was talking about. She sp- said, but what I like about you is you have something for everybody. Now, I'm not going to sing when I'm at a jam session or when I'm with a bunch of musicians and they start singing a friend of the devil or a friend of mine. That's when it's time for me to go to the bathroom. I'm right. not going to play, I'm not going to play that. I'm sorry. The devil is not a friend of mine, man. He's caused mm-hmm. a lot of death and destruction and pain and suffering throughout the ages. You know, he's right. not a friend of mine. I'm not going to sing about it. You know, if somebody starts singing about, you know, uh, this memory somebody or or sleeping around country music you know it's all about cheating and drinking what do i want to sing about that for there are tons of good songs out there one of the one of my favorite songs to play when i'm out digging is you've got a friend you know uh who wrote that you've got a friend when you're down in trouble and you you know that was james taylor wasn't it i do the james taylor version okay who wrote that though Carol King. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man. I catch people on that all the time. I usually offer them a CD, and I get to I get to keep my CD because they always get it wrong. <laughs> no, only kidding. But uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great song. It's about you've got a friend, and sometimes I'll even say, "Doesn't this sound like Jesus?" 
Yeah. Yeah. And I can I can do that in a secular coffee house. And people people are okay with it. You know? Yeah. But if I was to go into a secular coffee house and just sit there and start worshiping the Lord, they would have me they would throw me out on my ear, man. <laughs> but I can go in there and sing James Taylor and Jim Croce and the Eagles and stuff, and then throw in one of my Jesus songs, and it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesus told us to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. Gentle as doves. That is absolutely true. And it takes me back to Ezekiel, and I've been talking to a lot of my friends about this lately, in Ezekiel chapter 37, when he goes into the Valley of Dry Bones. But that's where just, he goes. Just read that today. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. How how many people? Yeah. And when you read that account of what he saw, it's like a mm-hmm. nightmare coming to life. I mean, you got these wow. skeletons and flesh and everything. Uh, not your typical Sunday school material that you would want to yeah. talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he goes into this place that's really rather dark, there's death, there's all this stuff. And most believers would not go there. But here's mm-hmm. the here's a news flash. God goes there. That's God right. visits there. And that's where he sends his prophets. And that is how God works. And you're so right mm-hmm. about we spend so much time ministering to the church mm-hmm. when we should be ministering to those who need the, the, the message of the gospel. Amen. And sometimes he sends us there, you know, when God sends you to do something that is, looks really weird or it doesn't make sense to people. You know, when we went on that 50-state uh, journey around the country, I actually had a supporter say to me, this is not of the Lord. He hasn't supported us since. Wow. But God definitely sent us to every state capital. Yes. You know, um, God might send somebody to go and do something that doesn't look like something God would send them to go and do. but. If that's what God is telling you, hey, better to trust in God than man. In fact, that's what uh, Peter and John said to the Sanhedrin, right? They said, right. didn't we tell you not to, not to, you know, go and preach in this guy's name anymore? And they said, you'd be the judge. Should we yep. obey you or should we obey God? Yep. Yep. And that's that diversity of operations that's spoken of in the scripture, the diversity of gifts. And we get so into this mindset and God, I believe, is trying to break this. We get so in this mindset, if it doesn't look the way that I think it should or if it doesn't fit my particular box, Mm -hmm. well, then it can't be of God. I've had people tell me that what I do (laughs) is not of God. And it's like, okay, And, you know, those are fiery darts that I have to you know, pull out every once in a while. Um, But no, God is behind this. And every Uh time that I sit down and do this, the things that God does and opens up and these relationships and how, you know, what's happening here right now, you and I are having church. Amen. Because we are the church. Because we, we are the church. And those that are viewing right now, thank you for tuning in uh, yeah. to the Laven's Heart live stream. We have Howie Campbell with us. And Howie, you have another song that I am really fascinated with because I am a big fan of medieval music, medieval yeah. folk, and med- medieval folk rock. As a matter of fact, um, in my middle school years, my high school years, I loved and I still love Simon and Garfunkel's oh, yeah. uh, Scarborough Fair Canical. Absolutely Our love that song. Mary in Time. And yeah. a lot of people don't realize that the music for that was actually written in medieval times and Simon and Garfunkel added the lyrics, their lyrics to it later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And that I still have, I have that on vinyl on my rack over there. And I'm also a big fan 
of Black Richie Blackmore, Blackmore's Night. And what they do is they play medieval folk music and they go to all the medieval fairs. Go figure, Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple and Rainbow, you know, and they dress up in the costumes and they play the period instruments. And I, I love it. I mean, it's just, there's something about that music and you have a track that fits right into that genre. And it's called Castle of Ice and Light. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of symbolism in this song and there's a story yes. in it. Can you share with us the symbolism and the story of this song? In uh, 20, uh, 2010 to 2011, from October till March, I had an opportunity to uh, um, interim pastor a church up in Saranac Lake, New York. And every year they build an ice palace. They, they uh, cut huge blocks of ice out of uh, Lake Flower, and they build this big ice palace. They put lights in it, and they have a week-long carnival. And um, they actually have bagpipers come from different states and walk, march in their parade, and we marched in that parade. Well, well uh, the year that we were there, it happened to be a medieval theme. And so, you know, I, I had met this uh, young lady who whose mom had a thrift shop in town, and... Um, I asked her if she would be interested in co-writing a song with me. I just, I said, no, they don't have a theme song for the thing. Let's write one. So she did. She helped me write that. And, um, and it was the unofficial theme song for the, uh, for the winter carnival that year with the medieval theme. And so the symbolism is, uh, she actually threw out some verses that I tweaked a little bit to make it so that it's about the king coming to the, to the palace to cast the, the uh, dragon to the bottom of Lake Flower, right? I love but it. But it's all about Jesus casting the serpent into the lake of fire. I love it. I, I mean, love it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's really that cool. is so cool. And so when you, when you listen to the song, so when I first put it up, uh, that was the first song I ever put up on Pandora, and they had me in with all the you know, uh, witch music and Celtic music and stuff, you know, and I thought, well, that's cool. They don't even know what this is. <laughs> but then, but but then, when I started sending them more music, they realized, oh, he's a Christian. <laughs> they took me over in the Christian thing, you know. So, uh, but it was really cool being there with all the others. <laughs> <laughs> and when we spin the song for our viewers and our listeners, those uh, that are watching on YouTube, Facebook Live, and Twitch right now, they're going to see the artwork for this song because mm-hmm. there's a very special piece of artwork that accompanies this. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about the artwork and what everybody's about to see? Because I am absolutely fascinated by it. It is so cool. It's um, it's a medieval light painting. Um, I'm not sure exactly uh, uh, what that's all about, but the Adirondack Piper, Cameron in- Anderson is a good friend of mine. His wife is the one that, that did the artwork for the album cover. And, and uh, so they're in, involved in Celtic music. They love Celtic music. Uh, Cameron plays uh, Highland Pipes, and um, they they over, actually go over to compete in Scotland at the Pipers Festival, whatever it is. But anyway, um, I said, man, you are the perfect person to do this. So she actually designed it. There's the lake flower, there's the ice palace, and there's the king at the, on the palace, and there's the dragon the big red dragon coming down. And so um, it's pretty obvious if you're a Christian what the symbolism is all about. If you're not a Christian, it looks like, you know, everybody's into dra- – the Chinese are into red dragons, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, that they actually played that up. Uh, that was up on North Country Public Radio up in um, Canton, New York for a long time. Oh, so they, play, they played it there? 
yeah, on the radio. It, it, yeah, and I actually sent that to uh, Fiona Ritchie, but I, I never heard back from her. But <laughs> she has a she has a she has a show that you might enjoy. It's called Thistle Thistle and Shamrock. She's Scottish. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to check Ritchie. that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I also like Celtic music. I'm a big fan of Celtic music. Uh, mm -hmm. My uncle in Canada got me, oh, many years ago, I started listening to Lorena McKinnon, who actually happens to be a friend of my uncle in Canada, which is, is kind of right? cool. Yes, yes. My wife, I was going to mention her too. My wife uh, listens to her all the time. Yes, I love Lorena McKennett. And there's another Canadian Celtic artist, and she's a, she's a believer, and she does a lot what you do. Because when sure. you listen to the music and you listen to the imagery, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, this is cool medieval kings, castles, yeah. dragons, and stuff like that. But she is a devout, devout believer. Her name is Leia. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely wonderful musician. And some of her songs, she gets a little bit deeper in the faith with them, and it's really cool. Right. But I want to share with everybody Castle of Ice and Light. Feast your ears on this. This is a this is a gem.
that is what I call artistic diversity. Mm. That, that brings so back beautiful. some memories, man. That brings back great memories. That's 10 years ago. I can't believe it. But Sue Grimm on flute, she uh, plays a lot up in the Adirondacks of New York. Sarah Curtis is the young lady that helped me write that. What a sweet gal, beautiful voice. And uh, Debbie, my wife, on percussion. And a friend, Russell Fair, on the Boren, you know, the, the drums. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and uh, Marty Mosier on cello. <laughs> what a beautiful combination of instruments. Yeah. And when you did that song, you've got a diversity of music, musical giftings in there. Mm -hmm. And tonight, as we've traveled through from Captivate Us to More Snow in the Forecast, to Castle mm -hmm. of Ice and Light, mm -hmm. definite diversity in what you're doing. You can't put mm -hmm. Howie Campbell in a, in a box. <laughs> 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 Just like you can't, you can't put the Spirit of God in a box. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Something we were... Go ahead. God is the ultimate creative source. I mean, he's the creator. And if if we are created in his image, then we have the ability to create. He created things out of nothing. We take what he's created and appropriate them and combine them and things. But, I mean, I would say that inspiration comes from the Lord. And it depends on whose spirit that you are, a, you know, that's a part of you. What's going to drive that creativity that you have. You know what I'm yes. saying? And so there is really dark music out there. There's really... Oh, there is. There's nasty stuff out there, but but um, there's also there's also some beautiful music. I mean, think about the harmonies that the Eagles and the Doobie Brothers and people like that put out. You know, the the soul groups. You know, the Motown. And oh, yeah. and a lot of those people didn't didn't have Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They still created beautiful music. They tapped into what God has placed out there. You know, the harmonic structure, whatever. Yes. You know. Yes, ab absolutely. And one of the yeah. things that I've noticed here, and this is something that we've talked about a lot on this live stream, is that you're going to be inspired from possibly three different sources, the Holy Spirit, a demonic spirit, or just your soul or your flesh. Mm -hmm. And I found it interesting. And there are examples of this in the Bible where God overrides and kind of comes in with somebody who's not a believer and starts to speak through them when nobody else is speaking what should be spoken. Mm -hmm. uh, the example that I use a lot of times is Balaam the prophet. And there's several <laughs> other examples of this in scripture as well. Okay, yes, exactly. Exactly. He was cursing David. He was having the prophets of God killed. But then he went. He he got around. Sam Here's another good good lesson. He got around Samuel and he started to praise the Lord. Yes. Just by being in Samuel's presence, what if our presence? What if we were so in tune with Jesus and living so much for Him, and He had so much of us that when people get around us, they stop telling dirty jokes, stop cursing, stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And that's being that vessel and being that light. Yeah. And I really believe God is wanting to mature all of us who are believers yeah. at this point in time, where it's not like we're the, the, uh, the language police or right. the morality police. It's just something that happens because they feel that presence. They sense that aroma yeah. of something that's different. Being the morality right. police, that is a work of the flesh. That, that's all that is. And a lot of times the morality police, they do that because it makes them uncomfortable. But when you're walking in the spirit of the Lord, those things, yeah, they, they, they're they checking your spirit, but it's really not mm -hmm. going to bother you because you know Jesus is with you. Yeah. 
And it's what your presence is going to affect them. That's the way God wants us to be. That's what he wants the church to be in this hour. And that leads to something that you and I were talking about this weekend. And I believe that God's given you some insight into possibly where things are going for the church in the future. And I think this is very important for everybody to understand and to hear. Where do you see the church going in the next several years? And it's not all roses and flowers in a lot of ways. Underground. That's where I see the church going. You know, it's like, uh, where's the church in Afghanistan going? Underground. Why? Because persecution. The human tendency is to want to preserve our lives, you know, to save our lives. Survival. The survival instinct that God created in us. And so, at first, that early church, you know, the early church was all, almost all. I'm sure there were some Gentiles. Well, there were. There were some Romans, you know, that believed that Jesus was the God. And they became Christians. They didn't become Jews. They became Christians. But most of the early church was Jews. And the Sanhedrin was sending this crazy guy, this, this religious zealot named Saul of Tarsus around to round them up and have them put to death. Look at Stephen, right? And so they were hiding. They, they weren't hiding their faith to where they were denying Jesus, but they were trying to preserve their life as long as they could to be a witness, you know? And so I think that's where the church is going in uh, America and the world because there's coming a time when, you know, Satan has to have his day. Lucifer has to have his day. He wants worship and he's going to get it. And God is going to permit it. He's going to allow it to happen. It's going to be seven years of hell on earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and so for us as believers, I mentioned earlier, Jesus told us to be wise as serpents, gentle as dogs. He also told a very interesting story. Well, first, he also said the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then, and so there's th- those three things, gentle as dogs, you know, um, children of this kingdom, uh, this world are wiser in their generation than the children of the kingdom. And he told a story about this unfaithful steward who his master said to him, look at this spreadsheet. Man, these people are never going to pay me what they owe me. You have totally blew it, blown it. You're not my steward any longer. And the guy says, oh, no. What am I going to do? I'm too proud to beg. Haven't worked in you. Ah, I know what I'll do. How much do you owe? A thousand? We're going to write 500. Can you pay 500? Okay. How about you? Three three fifty. We're going to write one hundred and twenty-five. Can you pay one hundred? Okay, sure. The master commended this unfaithful steward. Why? Yes. Something is better than nothing, right? That's this right. Guy was, this guy was shrewd. He knew how to operate. Do we, as Christians, Glenn, know how to operate in this fallen world? Do we know yeah. how to be wise as serpents? Wait a minute, serpent? Isn't that the devil? You be we're supposed to be like the devil. No, we're supposed to be shrewd like the devil, and yet gentle like the Holy Spirit, because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I believe it is. it would be uh, instructive for us Christians to know how to operate in this world while remaining pure. Yes. Steadfast in Christ. And in order to be steadfast in this world, you've got... We've got to be ingesting the word of God. We've got to, we, we can't just rely on the pastor or right. the minister or somebody else to do it for us. We have to have personal responsibility 
to feed on the word of God so that it gets inside of us and it comes out of us. Because Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And so yes. we need to, that needs to be us. People need to be able to look at Glenn Remsen and say, Man, he's different. I wonder if he's a Christian. I wonder if he's a follower of Jesus. Yeah. You know? And yet, um, I think it's really important for us not to go and just blab it everywhere. Hey, look at me. I'm a Jesus. You know, you need to repent. You need to quit smoking, <laughs> drinking, swearing, because God isn't pleased with you if you do that. Right. They don't, they don't care about whether God's pleased with them or not. But what they will care about is if they see that you, you care about them, that yes. you have love, that you have peace. And when everything is falling down around you, you've got this peace that they don't have. Yep. I think that's where Christians are going to be joined. Really, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I just got done reading a book, and I'd highly recommend this to everybody that's watching uh, and listening. It is called Dark Covenant by Donna Howell and Allie Henson. The name of the book is Dark Covenant. And it's by Donna Howell and Allie Henson. And they, in the last chapters of the book, the whole book is basically a description of how the religious system of today and the world today is grooming us for the one world religion to be led by Antichrist. Mm -hmm. And that's, I want to go back to what you said. It is so important for us to ingest the word of God oh, yeah. because so many people just depend upon one guy standing up in a pulpit on Sunday, giving them 30 minutes to an hour. And a lot of times what he's giving them is 30 minutes to an hour of complete nonsense. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, not scriptural in a lot of ways. It's just a pablum. It doesn't go into the depth of it. It's not like what we're talking about here and right. it's grooming them for that. And what they project and what they foresee happening is that there's going to be a split. There's going to be a split between the visible church, the church of the world, which is really a Babylonian system. Mm -hmm. And those that are the true believers and those that are the true believers are going to have to go underground because, Glenn, yeah. Good point. God, Jesus has always been calling people out. God called yes. Abraham out. He called David out, you know, from the sheep. He called, he, he's, he called Paul out from the religious system, right? Yes. He's always been calling people out. He's been calling people like, you know, the Waldensians. I mean, you, you know, think what you will about them. They were, they were outside of the, the traditional church of the time. And yes. they were persecuted. The Montanists, the, um, you know, the, um, uh, oh, the Puritans, the, the Moravians, the Puritans, yeah. you know, yeah. they were different. They've always been called out. We're being called out today. God, yes. Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, is calling us to be separate. Yes. You know? Yes. Separate from the world, separate from the world economy, the world's way of doing things, and even the world church. Yes, exactly. Um, for those of you that are not, have not watched us before or listened to us before, this is your first time, I want to say this, and I say this sincerely, is that what you see as church is not what Jesus really intended. He intended a called out people that walk as a fragrance that are doing what Howie and I are doing right now, sharing the word, having fellowship that truly care about other people and then operate in a true supernatural anointing. I'm not talking about the silly stuff that you see on TV all the time. I'm talking about people that can bring healing to people's lives, that can bring solutions 
to really big problems. People that can share the gospel and share Jesus and see people saved and born again. And being saved and born again is a supernatural experience. Read yep. it in John chapter three. It's it's a mystical experience. And then the church has got the world church has gotten so far away from that. Mm-hmm. It's the do good, do right, walk the straight and narrow, and hope it all works out for the best. That is not the church never has been. And there's going to be persecution, uh, according to Allie Henson and Donna Howell, and I, I believe this as well. And it's going to be a persecution of the world church against the true believers, and the world church is going to see it as a benefit to society to get rid of those Jesus people, the people who believe. And really, that's Satan on a rampage. And before we go into our last topic, it's really interesting how you say, and this is confusing to a lot of people, that God is going to allow Satan to be worshipped and to have free reign for seven years. And that kind of boggles the mind a little bit, but God is merciful. And part of that is out of God's mercy. You know, it, it all fits into his plan. Um, it, it's kind of mind boggling because before Satan is cast into the lake of fire, right. he's going to be given what he wants. And that mm-hmm. God is just, he, his, his mercy is never ending. It's, mm-hmm. it's enduring forever. And that is just one of the attributes or one of the characteristics of God's mercy in the way that he's going to allow Satan to get what he wants. Yeah. It's, you it's, know, you, know, Glenn, you know, there's a lot about uh, God's program that we don't understand. And because we don't understand it, a lot of people say, well, it couldn't be real. You know, Um, I mean, how could a loving God do this, that, the other thing? You know, we've all heard those things. Reality is just because we can't understand it doesn't mean that that's not reality. And how could we understand God's plan? We're not God. That's right. You know, that's right. The best thing that we can do is, is allow his faith that he placed in us to be worked out, to live out in our day-to-day existence so that we bear a good testimony to him. And one day, one day, we'll have understanding. This is not the time to have complete understanding. It's the time to live by faith. Yes. Faith. Faith. You know, the things that are hoped for but not seen. Faith. That is so true. That is so true. God is infinite and we are finite. We can't wrap our minds around his program or his plan. But something that I've learned is that the deeper you dive into the word and the deeper that you dive into prayer, Mm -hmm. some of those mysteries start to be opened up and you get a little bit more illumination. The more time you spend with Jesus, it's just like he did with his disciples. He had that inner circle. He would share a parable Mm -hmm. and everybody would be sitting around and be like, what was that about? And then he'd pull his disciples (laughs) aside and be like, okay, guys, this is what I was talking about. And that's what Jesus does with his, those who love him, those who follow him. It's like, okay, this is what I'm doing, and here's the inside scoop. So he actually told them. He actually told them that it, the world is not going. To, it's not given for them to understand. Yes. yes, I mean, God has blinded their eyes, you know. But it's given for you to understand. Ask yes. and you shall receive. Right. Exactly. If any exactly. man has a has a problem, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and abundantly, and it shall it shall be given him. You know. Yeah. But let him ask in what faith. 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 There's that word, that little five little word, faith. Absolutely. Howie, how can people find out more about you, keep tabs on what you're doing, and find your music? 
Can you share that with us real quick? Howie Campbell, H-O-W-I-E, Camp Bell, like the soup, Campbell. Um, all over the place. Um, I'm on Facebook, Howie Campbell Music, facebook.com slash Howie Campbell Music, or just HowieCampbell.com. Um, I'm getting ready. I, I've got a Bandzoogle website that I'm getting ready to convert to just HowieCampbell.com. So if you just uh, type in HowieCampbell.com. Hey, if you'd like, Debbie and I, we travel all over America sharing Jesus Glenn. If you'd like us to come to your location, you know, we'd be glad to do that. We're preparing right now for our, our Christmas tour. We're going to be at the largest federal prison in the nation down in Coleman, Florida in December. And we're going to come up through Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee nice. along the way. If you live along the route, contact me. We'd love to come and share. We're okay in people's homes, in your coffee shop, your venue, your church, whatever. We just want to come and share with you because that's good news, brother. That's right. There is good news to be shared. And yeah. boy, people really do need the good news of the gospel yeah. today. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Howie, hang on for a moment. I got a few administrative things to do okay. and we'll close out and I'll talk to you in the after show on the, on the other side. I'll be right back. Hey, everybody, we will be back next week at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We've got Lane Meyer from Bring the Ember. Uh, we were supposed to do that show last week, but I had a real bad case of laryngitis and couldn't talk. So we will be back next week with Lane Meyer at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, too, mark your calendars for October 14th, 2021. We will be revealing who the headline band is for Get Revelation Rock Fest in Charleston, South Carolina, and we'll be revealing the date and have information on that. If this is the first time that you've been watching us, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, um, if you're watching us on Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, go ahead and subscribe there as well. We appreciate that. And don't forget on Saturday night at 8 p.m. on WVVCUtica.com or 88.1 FM or 105.7 FM in Rome and Gloversville, New York. We have Metal Sharpens Metal with my good friend Rick. Um, and I should be on again this week at the 10 o'clock hour. And we're going to be discussing some really deep things and diving into some really good music. So until next week, when we have Lane Mayer from uh, Bring the Ember, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.